Welcome to Three Yards Per Carry, a podcast covering the Miami Dolphins and the NFL. Now, here's your hosts, Chris, Alf, and Simon. And we're on, and welcome to another episode of Three Yards Per Carry. I have Chris here. I do not have Simon, and the reason we don't have Simon is because we can't find him. Because today, England had a devastating loss against Croatia in the semifinal of the World Cup. And we can speculate where he is, but he is not on this show. But today I, is part one. I think one. he's passed out. I think he's passed out right now. Like nine, <laughs> 90%. Okay. Well, today is part one of our training camp preview. And we were going to be covering the defense here today. But, yeah, like where is Simon, Chris? Like where could he be? I'm, I'm guessing, you know, if I had to put the chalk uh, odds up, I would say that passed out in a pool of his own tears and vomit right now. Um, well, he, was, is, he this... was really busy making jokes on our WhatsApp, uh, <laughs> our WhatsApp yeah. messaging. And I was telling him, shouldn't you be, and this was like an hour before the game, and I told him, shouldn't you be like hovering over a bin vomiting right now? He spent the entire game like like tweeting and like saying, okay, this is the first time not you know, going forward, and this is the first time that we don't look too strong. And, yeah, sure enough, yeah, it, it was not the greatest of performances in this World Cup. At but least. think of what he's been through. Think of what he's been through this summer. I, You know, I, I kind of think of it, I was thinking to myself, you know, this is kind of the summer of Simon. I mean, Liverpool was in the final, right, in yeah. Kiev. He went there. He went to Kiev for yeah. the final. Yeah. And uh, and he, he had to see them lose, though. You know, he got to see his team be there. That's great. But he had yeah. to see them lose. And now England, first time since the 60s, you know, they're they're getting in the they get in the semis in the World Cup. And and he has to see them uh, see them lose. Uh, that's that's got to be gut wrenching. Uh, so I, I think, again, you know, I'll give him I'll e- easily give him the pass on this. Uh, that had to be that had to be tough. And plus, it's like 1 a.m. there. Yeah. So I guarantee, I guarantee. He's yeah, he's passed right out. Now. He's passed out yeah. somewhere. Like he couldn't give a crap if if <laughs> if this podcast yeah. was before the Super Bowl, after the Super Bowl, it didn't matter. Like you know, England got so close to the World Cup, and it's likely uh, it could be another sixty, seventy years before they even get close again. Yeah, uh, it's tough because it's four years. It's four years that you got that you wait for this thing, mm-hmm. and then your team drastically, you know overachieves because to be honest with you they overachieved they they were supposed to be at best a round of eight team yeah and they made it to the semifinal and they you know they probably should have won well but uh and who better who would know better uh than our own nostradamus over here with the uh the fat money bag ticket uh on the on the winner yeah on france yes yeah. yeah, they win. I get said said that right here on one. this podcast. I think you did. Yes, I did. Yes, I did. And now I could catch myself, you know, a nice little middle. You know, <laughs> hopefully Croatia is like a pretty big underdog, and I'll guarantee myself a profit. And that's something you cannot do in gambling too often. You know? Yeah. But when we do come back, we're gonna talk football. It is finally here. You can throw a rock. And it could land on the practice field in Davie. And there'll be actual players running around doing things. But first, a word from a sponsor. A word from one of our new sponsors. That sponsor is Miss-Inc.com. That's Miss-Inc.com. They are social media problem solvers. They do social media marketing and content writing. We are using them right now. They've been in business for 10 years, and they believe in a personal, customized approach to marketing, so they only represent businesses that are serious about taking their visibility to the next level. Social media marketing requires much more than just a blog or profiles on a website like Facebook or Twitter. It takes a smart strategy and a daily interactive focus. Miss Inc. has been leveraging social media for Miami businesses since 2008. They don't believe in cookie cutter strategies or in boxing your business in with others in your industry. Here's how you check them out. Go to miss-inc.com or call 305-537-6465. And we're back. And yes, Chris, can you smell it? Can you smell <laughs> it? The stale beer, bad sausage on the grill, Jets tears. Ah, uh, right now, right now, I'm, I'm smelling a lot of English tears. But um, yes, yes. Uh, yeah, I, I, I think uh, I think it's getting close. Like we're we we can kind of feel it. Like you start to see. Actually, it's it's not even like a spring smell. It's just it's a bunch of 
tweets about training camp previews. That's what that's that's what this time of year and gu- is. And, gu- uh, and guys running around in their underwear, but it's entertaining. Yeah. It's entertaining. It's, yeah. it's it's better than what was happening two weeks ago. Let's just let's just yeah. let's just leave it at that. Okay, definitely. But July eighteenth, the rookies report. July twenty fifth, the vets report. I of course will yeah. be in Las Vegas for all of that. <laughs> so. You're, you're... Well, thank God, thank God that, that, that this is coming up soon because it was getting weird around here uh, during the <laughs> during the taint of the off season. Where you know, in between in between the last mini camp and the training camp, I mean that that is the worst time. <laughs> yeah, like what was best is like, and we love our listeners because our listeners, you know, they really they really do enjoy the the product that we provide. But one listener after our last podcast just sent us. I guess you would call it a review, and it all said, "What TF was that?" <laughs> so yeah, like trust me, when we were doing it, we were thinking the same thing ourselves. But I we should have gone full balls cast and just like all got high or something. <laughs> like that would have that, that could have worked. That would have done better. That could have worked better than just going through an entire podcast about nothing. You know, it's here. Training camp is here, and we're yeah, going to, we of course, this is going to be part one of two parts. Next week, we're going to do the offense. This week, we're doing the defense, and we're going to start with the defensive line. And Chris, I guess the projected starters, although that doesn't mean much, is Cameron Wake, yeah. Devon Godshaw, Jordan Phillips, Robert Quinn. Thoughts? Well, first off, I think that um, I don't think those are going to be the starters. I don't think those are going to be the uh, starting for first wave line. Um at defensive tackle, we have a depth chart shaping up. I think Devon Godshaw, Akeem Spence is going to be number two, and Jordan Phillips, Gabe Wright, and Vincent Taylor, Jamius Pittman, and Anthony Moten. And I think that if you look at it the way that uh, Anthony, um, sorry, uh, Akeem Spence and Jordan Phillips, Jordan Phillips plays the same side uh, as Devon Godshaw, or at least that's his best position. And that was sort of what they discovered as they went on last year uh, through the season. And they got they got on is they they were having uh, Jordan Phillips play sort of both positions. But then he really settled into, uh, I believe it's left defensive tackle, um, which is the same spot that Devon Godshaw does. And so I think the first wave, if you actually think about it, is going to be Cameron Wake at the left end spot. Devon Godshaw, the left defensive tackle spot, then Akeem Spence at the right defensive tackle spot, and Robert Quinn at right defensive end. Andre Branch specifically, we talked about it a few weeks ago that we didn't think he'd be here to, for the start of the season. Well, he's still here. <laughs> okay, uh, training <laughs> He camp, is a survivor. Yes, he is. Training camp is starting next week. Like, you know, they're not moving it, and he will be there because I don't foresee a trade. So... Mm-hmm. Obviously, we've seen him play right defensive end. Robert Quinn is getting paid, and they traded a pick for him. Yep. And they used a first-round pick the previous year on Charles Harris. I count one, two, three right defensive ends. We need (laughs) snaps for all three of them. It's not enough to say that one of them is going to play left defensive end a little bit because you have William Hayes over there, who I kind of like. I like to see him get some snaps this year. Okay, and I wouldn't mind seeing him a lot on first down, to be honest with you, and start bringing down Cameron Wake's load. So my natural question is this. We got three right defensive ends. Where are the snaps coming from? How's that going to work? It's it's going to be um, it's going to it's going to have to be creative because you're right that William Hayes plays on the left a lot. And you can think of him in some ways as being the guy that's sort of handcuffed to Cameron Wake if Cameron Wake is going to be used on more pass rushdowns then William Hayes would be the guy that's used on more rundowns at the at that spot at that left spot mm-hmm. uh, but keep in mind that two things really first off William Hayes is coming off injury and and so you know where we haven't necessarily heard bad things about his injury or anything like that but you know let's let's not assume that he's all the way back you know, immediately and, and is, and they're going to count on him as a starter, you know, kind of heavy snaps kind of guy. But also the second thing is they've talked about this already. Um, they're going to move him inside a bunch mm-hmm. and he's going to play from defensive tackle. So I think that immediately what you're looking at is when they, you know, forgetting wave one or wave two, right. Um, cause that's, 
those are sort of every down uh, line and defensive lines. When they put a pass rush uh, line on the field, then William Hayes is going to be in that pass rush line at, on the inside as a defensive tackle. I think that's the plan. He's been a very underrated and very effective pass rusher through his whole career. Yeah, and he was very um, good. He was very good last year. When sure, he I mean he was he was good. Period. But I mean he's he's a good he's a good pass rusher, and I think that you get him on the inside, and that's that's he's going to make it. So building building him out, you're going to start with the fact that he comes in on the pass rush lines uh, as a defensive tackle, mm-hmm. and then on top of that, I think that he he kind of he kind of subs in um, opportunistically when you need to stop the run. Uh, because at left at that left end spot, he tends to play it. I don't know if you ever noticed this, Alf, but mm-hmm. I mean, we have the the wide nine um, and with these with these wide defensive splits. You know, the defensive ends are, yeah. are are really spaced out. Um, but William Hayes plays like a full three feet tighter uh, than than our wide than our normal wide nine splits. Mm-hmm. Um, when he, he's also when he he's also off, probably yeah. the best five tech we have on the team. Uh, yeah, I mean, and, and, I mean, I, I I'm still not sure if I would say it's like fully like a five tech, you know, that like that type, but it's definitely like a, a at least three feet wa- uh, uh, tighter to the to the um, formation mm-hmm. than our normal defensive line uh, splits. So, and that's why you know he's he's a real he's a run defense specialist um and do you think that he does that do you to. think that he does that on purpose or or that's something that he does subconsciously because he want he doesn't want to lose contact with the tackle i think he does it's got to be on purpose and it's probably it's probably with permission of coaches i mean if they didn't like it they would they would have mm. it was so consistent but that, you understand you, you understand what i mean right like yeah you like, know, no i know i know what you mean like but um but i think i think that he you know it it plays to his strengths Okay. Um, and so, so he, he plays a little bit tighter than your normal. And, and so I, I see him coming in sort of opportunistically at defensive end when they know that they've, they've got some issues with the run, um, coming up in this game. But otherwise, you know, he's definitely in on the pass rush lines, which are probably, I mean, if you think about it, probably at least like 15 to 20% of the, of the snaps, Mm -hmm. uh, right off. So, right. so he's, he's definitely on the field a lot. Um, but I do like, like I said, I, Andre branch can switch. He can play left end. Um, mm-hmm. you know, it's not, like I said, he's got the best numbers of his career at left end, uh, as far as pass rush goes. And he spent two and a half years basically at left end okay. in the league. So, um, so it's, it's, it's in his wheelhouse. Now, what do you make of uh, Charles Harris's rookie year last year? It's very common, and we said it on this podcast before. Simon's a big fan, and Simon says mm-hmm. that, and that wasn't a pun. Okay, Simon says, <laughs> Simon says that if you watch the film, and I have, and I tend to agree with him, uh, Charles Harris is milliseconds. He's a foot mm-hmm. away. He's inches away from a pile of sacks. And yeah, we understand that sack, that the sack is an imperfect stat. But, it, you know, it's an actual play that does actually change games. It's an important play. Yeah. So, oh, very important. had he gotten 10, you know, it's not out of the realm of possibility that he could have been rookie of the year and we're all celebrating the pick. Okay. Yeah, I know. So, he was close a lot. But you've seen some things on film that doesn't make you as optimistic, I would say. Yeah, I think he's got a lot of work to do. Uh, first off, just in terms of pressure, production and and percentages and stuff like that he did well for a rookie last year Mm -hmm. um i have him the you know i do position adjusted percentile rankings uh of these pass rushers because you know right playing on the right side is not the same as playing on the left side playing outside linebacker is not the same as playing defensive end um he was he was in the 70th percentile you know in the good way um with with his pressure percentages as a rookie which is good. Um, that's a really good uh, good number, and it shows that he's got some potential. I, I thought he had a lot of work to do because I'm looking at sort of so, some of his best tapes. Yeah, really, and um, and I'm like, man, these are your best tapes. You know, this is it needs to get a lot better than this. He needs to get a lot more assertive, and um, and I think that he has a good. There's been a good change on the defensive line coach because this defensive line coach really 
coaches, everybody hard to get, you know, to go all out and just attack and then, you know, figure it out, you know, attack first and then figure things out later. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's that's what exactly what he needs to do, because he he has this pass rush style sometimes. And it's really maddening. It's almost like um, like watching like watching a guy out go out to the flat with the ball, you know, against a against a single would be tackler and like yeah. he's going to juke him. You know, it like he breaks down and he's gonna he's gonna shake this guy. Like, you're not gonna do that at the NFL level. No, I mean, not. these these le- these left tackles are too good. You know, these it's not it's not gonna happen. You're not playing playground basketball. Okay, you're not gonna do a pull a crossover on the guy. Um, so he he really needs to get into his rush and be very decisive, and hopefully that's what this defensive line coach um, uh, is gonna teach him. Uh, he has a reputation for for being exactly like that. But um, um, the pressures, you, you mentioned before the, uh, you know, him being close to the sacks yeah. and, and how important. Well, the sack is a really important play. We both agree. On, you, you know that more than anybody. I mean, you, mm-hmm. you do a lot on, um, uh, on analytics and, uh, and, you know, especially predicting game outcomes and stuff like that. It's a really important play, but, you know the idea. There's an there's kind of a semi popular idea out there that um, uh, of converting the sack. You know who who's yeah. the best at converting a pressure into a sack? Yeah, let me. You yeah, know who's let, the best? Yeah, let, it's let, it's a completely false idea. Yes, it is. It's, Although I will say this, I will say this, and and I apologize for interrupting, but yeah. it's an old stat, but I remember seeing it, and there was a time where there was a streak in the NFL that was reaching close to 30 which was games won by teams that had five or more sacks oh really yeah (laughs) it's it's a while it's a while it's a while ago but you know so yeah it's just a loss it's it's you know you lose the down you lose yardage so naturally it's a great play it probably kills a drive same thing for the the holding penalty like i don't have the numbers in front of me but i'd love to do a study for an entire Mm. year let's use a sample size of an entire football season and see how many drives ended because mm-hmm. of a holding penalty. Oh yeah, it's huge. I think just, it's just worst. like a sack. Yeah, it's the worst. It's the worst call. Every time I see a holding penalty on the Dolphins, I'm like, mm-hmm. okay, that's that's it for this drive. Drives over, <laughs> and you get twelve drives a game, right, or yeah. something like that. Something like and that. And that's one twelfth yeah. of the game is is, is out. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, uh, yeah, and but but uh, this idea of there being defensive ends who are consistently good. At um, you know, not just getting the pressure or the hurry, you know, but but making it a sack instead of just a hurry or just a hit. Yeah, is what I what I found, and I've done a, a lot of this. I mean, it's, it's boring work, but you know, I do it because I'm a geek. Um, but <laughs> I, I do a lot of cross sectional and longitudinal studies over time, and it's it's random. It's totally random. Uh, all right, here's a here's a Twitter question, and this one is right up our alley with what we've been talking about. And it's from hashtag Alan Gang Gang. This guy is actually a Chase <laughs> Allen fan. Okay. And I'm going to have some <laughs> things to say about this guy later on in the, on the show because we are previewing the defense. So That's fantastic, by the way. That's fantastic. We have, we have Chase Allen Gang Gang fans yes. on Twitter. Okay. That's, so we Chase will Allen, get to him. So Chase I, Allen's so mother is you. not even in a Chase Allen Gang Gang. Yeah, I promise you, hashtag Allen Gang Gang at Pacific Fin Fan One. I promise you, we're gonna get to Chase Allen later on on the show, like third segment. Okay, and he writes, "What are your thoughts on Charles Harris and Andre Branch attending Von Miller's pass rushing camp this year?" Now I'll give you my initial thoughts, and then you could give yours, uh, Chris. Mm-hmm. Uh, because you go to Von Miller's camp doesn't mean you're gonna rush like Von Miller. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, I went to a Tim Hardaway camp once, and he. Was- <laughs> He was teaching his crossover, and trust me, it took me a long time to be able to dribble between my legs, all right? <laughs> okay? Like, it's it's not something, like, it's cute. Okay, you hear about it, you could get excited. You're like, oh, wow, Charles Harris and Andre Branch went to Von Miller's pass rushing camp? Well, first of all, he's a he's a peer. He's a, he's a contemporary. Yeah, right. He's, he's like Broncos. an actual guy that you're competing against. And yes, and he's teaching, you, he's teaching you his tricks of the trade. So I don't know. Do you have thoughts? Because those are my, my thoughts. Are yeah, it's you know it's fun for the fans. It's fun for me. Like I read it, and as soon as I read it, I was like, okay, this is interesting. 
And then I thought to myself, uh, hopefully Von Miller didn't charge them all too <laughs> too much money. This, you know what I mean? This would be like this would be like Peyton Manning having the Peyton Manning Academy camps in like two thousand four. Yeah, yeah and, and let me t- and let me tell you something because somebody some 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 wise asses on Twitter is gonna say, wait a minute. But Akeem Olajuwon's, you know, big man camp is like a big deal. That's Akeem Olajuwon's big man camp. He's been retired for 400 years. Okay? That's different. Okay? Like, people actually go and learn things from him that they can only learn from him. Like, this is a contemporary. So, well, I, I already made my thoughts known. So, give I, yours, Chris. I, I, have to, I have to ask the question, though. Uh, what, year did, what year did Von Miller come out? Because, uh, you know, uh, he was... He was not that long ago, right? I mean, he was he was 2011. Yeah. Uh, Andre Branch was 2012. <laughs> what is what is he doing going to a Von Miller camp? No, no, no right. Yeah. Like he's like, did he bring his son there? I, no. <laughs> um, I any anything that's going to help these these guys is a good thing. Obviously, I, I don't I don't want to dig on them too much, but um, it's it, that's a little weird, isn't yes, it? I mean, yes. that's we can we can call that. Yeah. Um, I, you know, for Charles Harris, that's got to be that could be valuable for for Charles Harris. Well, he could pick um, something up. He could pick something. You yeah, know, how they he, say he that you start. can't teach an old dog new tricks. Well, same thing sure. for athletes. Like once yeah, you get to right. a certain age, and I'm pretty sure that Andre Branch has reached that age. You know, yeah. it's going to be hard for him to pick up things. Like Andre Branch sure. right now should be worried about his body. You know, because that's how he's going to improve. He's going to improve <laughs> with his diet, his body, improving his body, improving his his work habits. But skill level, uh, and yeah. That, He's not going to prove the, that. Also, around. that's the last year. Sorry to interrupt, but last year Andre Branch. I mean, that's what the Dolphins would tell us, right? Yeah, is that he wasn't healthy. No, that he had he had a serious issue, you know, for all of the year, uh, and and that's why that's why he really came down. And this is the thing about Andre Branch. I had him. I I really wasn't that excited about signing. I didn't think there was going to much come of it because. He had he had been in like the bottom third as far as pass rush efficiency for all four years yeah. that he'd been in the league and and then suddenly with the Dolphins in 2016 uh, he's top third uh, yeah. I have like 66th percentile um, so so he had a decent year they they gave him a bunch of money which was probably not a good idea but and then all of a sudden he's he's you know right around the 50 percent mark in 2017 he's injured you know I think the Dolphins. And they would say this about Kiko Alonso too. Is is I don't think they like hearing all the criticism and of, of these guys and and ah uh, you made you made such a big mistake signing them and gave them right. so much money and stuff like that. I don't think they like that. I think they do want to show people that these guys are more the player that they were the players they were in 2016 than 2017. Uh, Cameron Wake, for lack of a better word, does he get on the maintenance program this year, or do you expect high snap count again? Very quickly. The, the Mike, the Mike Pouncey program. Um, yeah. <laughs> you know, the Mike Pouncey. I don't ever practice, uh, and then uh-huh. I get, hurt, I get unsealed for my uh, sarcophagus on Sunday, and <laughs> and go out there and play. Um, I yeah, they got they've got to at this point. But what we'll, what will he let them do? I think that's a because remember that don't you remember they tried to do this like you know you're yeah. just going to be a pass rush down guy. And I was and on then, board. I was all on board for that, and sure. I was wrong. It didn't work. No. Like, and they're and they're like, uh, we need to get him. He's just really good. We need to get him out there. He's elite. He's still an elite player. Yes, he is. And in, in the NFL, uh, yeah, you can nitpick his run defense. And like I said, if you if you're facing an opponent and and you're facing downs where you're worried about the run, um, in particular, uh, you know, maybe more opponent based than than down based, then yeah, you could amp up. William Hayes usage a little bit and um, and get get that going. Yeah, we've spent a lot of time on defensive ends, and I think we've given the defensive tackles, which I believe most people would agree mm-hmm. is the weak spot of the team. Like, ought to we ought to all agree on it? Some yeah. some people I think are deluding themselves a little bit, but yeah, I, I agree with that. Although some people like to point at the at the linebackers and are, and they're not satisfied with what we have there. Na- namely right. because they haven't seen Raekwon McMillan play yet. But, Good point. you know, so I think those are the two leading areas. But mm-hmm. defensive tackle, I hold out hope. Now, I don't think we have a pro bowler in the unit, but do we have a couple of nice players? I believe so. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, Devon Godshaw, 
like I said earlier in, in another podcast, he missed one tackle last year. One. Yeah. Okay. Uh, he's good. All right. He's good. When you when you go back on film study, he's good. Yeah, he's a good football player. If he's playing 40 snaps, you're getting a good 40 snaps from him. Okay? Yeah. So I'm, I'm, I'm very, very happy with what we have there. Uh, I would like to hear you elaborate on the other side of him because Akeem <laughs> Spence, Akeem Spence, yeah, you know, we, I've, I've watched him play. He had a good year last year. Um, mm-hmm. He's more of a, you know, he's kind of like a three-tech guy. But the guy mm-hmm. that you want to actually blow up and maybe get you even a sack total, maybe get you six, seven sacks, is Jordan Phillips. He, yeah. It's in a contract year. Is this the year that he makes a splash? We've seen him do it. Like, we've seen him blow up games. At know, different times. At different times. But I, I had yeah. a coach tell me one time, uh, if this guy could just play 15 snaps a game, it'll be the most explosive 15 snaps. But in snap 16, it's all downhill from there. Like, uh, his issue's just, I guess, stamina. But, yeah, that could be. you know, I don't know. Uh, your, your thoughts on him. Jordan Phillips, to me, is like, he, he he has these marvelous plays where, uh, particularly on sort of run, I don't know if it's a run down, but it's a, you know it's not not necessarily pass rush downs. He makes plays in pass rush, yeah. Though it's not in pass rush downs, if that makes sense. Um, right. You know he, so on on first second down, you know that sort of he he will blow a guy up in single blocking, and just completely mow him over. And and get to the quarterback, and those are the sort of sacks or the sort of pressures that drive a quarterback the most insane. I yes. mean, it's 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 really it's really valuable to do what he can do. Yeah. Um, uh, the only problem is, is uh, you, yeah, because if you have Jordan Phillips hitting your guard and your guard falls at your feet, it tends to rattle you. <laughs> you yeah, I mean? yeah. I mean, it's it's bad. <laughs> yeah. And what, what we always say about you know the the criticism when you talk about facing Tom Brady, you know, how do you beat Tom Brady? It's middle, it's middle pressure. It's not yeah. you know. Well, that's what the, that's how you beat every quarterback, pressure. unless it's Michael that's Vick. You, yeah, that's every quarterback. Unless it's, it's Michael Vick, because Michael Vick, yeah. you don't necessarily want to flush him to the outside. You know what I mean? And and if it's Michael Vick, you just have to flush him to the right instead of the left. You right. Know, that's exactly. Like, so, um, I. Jordan Phillips, he can really drive you nuts with the way that he can get pressure on those on those downs through you know through them up the middle by just blowing up a single block and and getting in there. But the problem is he's never been good against the run. Um, and I I don't you know you think he's built to be good against the run. He, yeah. he he's sort of a nose tackle type build, but he ha- he hasn't really been good against the run. I don't know that he's been great against double teams. I think Devon Godshaw is still is the guy that uh, holds the double teams the best, and uh, and Jordan Phillips doesn't doesn't do it as well. Yeah. What Jordan Phillips will do is get get on those highlight reels by blowing up a single you know a single block and getting into the backfield, and that's um you know that can be valuable because like we said, uh, any sack that you get really affects the game. Um, so, so when you, when you get that kind of sack or that kind of middle pressure that disrupts the play, uh, a whole lot, then, um, then it can be really valuable. So he's going to get a shot. It's this year or, or no years. Um, but I think Akeem Spence is going to start out, mm-hmm. uh, paired up with Godshaw and Phillips is going to start out paired up with, you know, like Gabe Wright or Vincent Taylor. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and the defensive tackle, and this is what I said. I like, I like Devon Godshaw like you. Um, mm. I think when you watch the film from pre- previous years, it's it's really good. Like he's he's really good. This, yeah. They found a player, and he's heavy, and he's um, heavy footed, and that's that that could be an issue with Jordan Phillips, and it could be why he's bad against the run. Some sure. guys are just heavy footed, and when they mm-hmm. plant themselves, they're hard mm-hmm. to move. Devon yeah. Godshaw plays like he's four hundred and eighty pounds. Okay, <laughs> yeah. like if you hey. watch him, he'll take on a double team, and he's not going anywhere. Yeah. Okay, it's, it's impressive. Okay, Jordan Phillips uh, tends to keep his feet moving and try to finesse his way out of the mm-hmm. block, and that actually helps the guard cinch mm-hmm. the block better and move him out of the hole. You know, so yeah, I, I think I it think could be that just it's a technique good. Thing it's good with Godshaw. Well, what I'm worried about here is is what happens, Alf? What happens when you know what happens if Devon Godshaw like gets hurt? Yeah. You know what I mean? Like then you're. Then your four defensive tackles are like Akeem Spence and Jordan Phillips, Gabe yeah. Wright and Vincent Taylor. Yeah, I mean, just yeah, they're, they're they're basically all finesse type. 
Well, then you yeah, have to start it, calling some run blitzes. What are you going to have to yeah, do? Yeah, mm-hmm. but I, the one guy I would I would shine a light on um, and say, you know, to watch out right. uh, at the defensive tackle position that you probably haven't heard too much about and know about is Jamius Pittman. Mm-hmm. And that's the kid out of uh, UCF. He, he he sort of he played interestingly. He played like a three four defensive end. Mm-hmm. Um, he also played some nose tackle uh, at you know on pass particularly on passing downs. Um, he's a guy. He's a guy that you know if you like analytics and stuff like that. I mean, he was he was in the top ten ten percent of uh, of all defensive linemen in terms of pressures you know, per pass rush. And he was also in like the top 10% in terms of his run stoppage, you know, run stop abilities. I mean, this is, this is a guy that was an analytics King, I guess. Um, Mm. and you know, he's, he's six foot one and a half and 301 pounds. He's got long arms. He's got 33 inch arms and a six foot eight wingspan. Um, but you know, he's not a great athlete. Okay. Uh, but think think about think about Devon Gotcha. He's not a great athlete either. No. Akeem Spence isn't really a great athlete. Akeem Spence played actually. They they're like Carm to me. Akeem Spence watching him in college was a lot like watching Jamius Pittman in college. Mm-hmm. Jordan um, Phillips they're, is actually they're, a great athlete. Yeah, Jordan Phillips on the other hand, he's he's actually for for his size, like he's yeah. a, he's a fantastic athlete. Um, but yeah, I think that. That they they go toward these guys that aren't necessarily great athletes. The thing Jamie Pittman has though is what's cool about him is he's got great eyes. Mm-hmm. He he sees the backfield really well and he reacts to it really well. And because he's got good hands, he's also got good hands. Um, he can adjust to the ball and he can play off of the blockers really well. And I think that the reason he fit he'll end up fitting in this style is because they're gonna ask they're gonna ask the guys to go all out. Yeah. Like they're going to ask the guys to go all out and not care about the run. Like they play the gap that, you know, they shoot the gap and penetrate first and then ask questions later. Okay. You know, so, so that's what, that's their style on the defensive line. So because they have this style where they, where they, you know, read pass and then react to the run, um, the, the linebackers behind them sort of read run and then react to the pass, you know, to make up, to make up for the, uh, the disadvantages that it would normally be for the defensive lineman to just, you know, go all out right away and then sort of run back, react back to the run. Um, This is for, for a guy that doesn't have great explosiveness or athleticism, you know, you can make up for that by just telling him, you know, don't worry about it. Just go all out. We got to go to break. And when we come back, we're going to talk about a strength of the team, the defensive backs, the first, Mm -hmm. these words. Hey, this is Seth Levitt, and I am here with two-time Miami Dolphins team MVP. Seth, 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 man. They already know this is O.J. McDuffie. Why don't you tell them what we're really here for? We're excited to join the crew at the Five Reasons Sports Network to bring you our new podcast, The Fish Tank, Dolphins Tales from the Deep. O.J., tell them what they can expect when they dive in. Yeah, Big Seth, we've got some of your favorite all-time Dolphin players in the tank sharing some of the best stories that you've never heard. So it looks like Sasquatch because he's <laughs> chasing me because you, you know Izzo with his clothes on. He's so hairy, that guy. <laughs> Wait, why are you looking so, at me like I know Lizzo with his no, clothes off? Seth with his clothes off. So make sure you find the fish tank on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, or if you're one of those Android people, Google Play Music, or on several cross-platform apps, including Podbean and Stitcher. Thanks for diving in. This is the Five Reason Sports Network. Sports by Miami, for Miami, on demand. We now have 10 podcasts in the network, posting roughly 15 times per week. All can be found on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, and several cross-platform apps. We're on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube. Here's some of what you missed last week on Miami Heat Beat. Are we a Tyler Johnson away? Are we a Hassan? I can't even do that to you. I'm sorry. Breaking news. The Cavs are in shambles. If you want to get involved as a sponsor or contributor, reach out to us at number 5 Reason Sports on Twitter. And be sure to punch five reasons in your search bar and then hit subscribe. And we're back. We're going to talk about uh, some more positions. We're giving our training camp preview. This is the defense special. Uh, As you could see or as you could hear in the first half of the show, we went really deep on the defensive line and, uh, and talking about what you can 
expect in training camp. And but hey, it's a camp preview. These the the roster is like 90 deep right now. Mm-hmm. So um, we're going to talk about defensive backs right now. And Alf, I know you wanted to get to this because really this is one of the most interesting questions on the team. Uh, one of the most interesting battles on the team. And I want to get you talking about it a little bit. Uh, we know what Xavier Howard is. Yeah. We know what he's going to be for the Dolphins this year um, yeah. on one side of the, the defensive backfield. Uh, who plays on the other side? You know, who, who is it? What do you see? Okay. Uh, well, what we know about Xavier Howard is that for the second half of the year, and that's eight games, he was considered a top three cornerback by Pro Football Focus. Okay, now that doesn't mean all that much, except that he was considered a top three corner by Pro Football Focus. Okay, <laughs> means a lot to me. <laughs> yeah. All right. So because when and we're when not talking about happens... four games, we're not talking about five games. We're talking about eight games. We're talking about half of a football season. And okay. if I could just say, the, when when that happens, when when the guy like one of your corners plays at that level, yeah. it seems like the defense just blossoms. Yeah. Uh, in, in a lot of ways, so it it can be important, man. Yeah. So. Okay, so I don't, I don't think we have to worry about him. So that's going to bring me to another Twitter question, which was this one is from Mike Thompson, and he's at MJ1987US26. Don't ask me why he named his, his handle that, but that's his handle. And he asks, three yards, which camp battle should everyone be talking about more? Well, it's this one, sir. Okay, and it's opposite of Xavier Howard. It's Kodrea Tankersley and Tony Lippett. And notice, notice that I say Tony Lippett. Because I believe Bobby McCain will be playing in the slot this year. I'm not so sure that Cordero Tankersley is going to beat out Tony Lippett. The last time that we saw Tony Lippett play, he was making plays. He has great ball skills. He's sticky in man coverage. He's really good in the red zone. He actually had two red zone interceptions. All right, now that's pretty rare. I don't know how many other cornerbacks have two red zone interceptions in one year. He had he had them. Okay, Mm -hmm. so I would say that that's the one that nobody's talking about. And I think it's the best battle on the field this year. I don't know what you think, Chris, but I think it's it's clearly the best battle on the on the on the on the the, the team this year. It's the most difficult one to call, I think. And it might, you know, I'm I hesitate to say to say this, but it might be the most important battle, too. Like, Mm -hmm. you know, if you think about it, um, because of you know, the, the importance of having these guys, all the, these corners, these, they, they play a thousand snaps, they play every snap and they're really, they're really important. So the idea that, you know, one of them could be a weakness generally is, is pretty scary. Um, but I think you're, you're right to point out that the last time we saw Tony Lippett uh, playing, he was playing a lot. He played 862 snaps yes. in 2016 mm-hmm. and, and he and he was productive and uh, playing ahead of Xavier Howard. Mm-hmm. So, uh, you know, don't don't underestimate that. But I, I have to disagree with you on Bobby McCain. I have to I have to go. I have to go for him a little bit. I, you know, I'm I'm a pretty big fan of his. There are others that are even bigger fans. But mm-hmm. um, I think that Bobby McCain is making this a three way battle for that starting spot. Uh, he got paid like he's going to make this a three way battle. For that starting spot, and the Dolphins have said that it's a three-way battle with Cordray Tankersley and Tony Lippett. So, mm-hmm. I think I take I take them at their word. We know what Bobby McCain is going to do, uh, and that's play in the slot and nickel for or nickel personnel package. Right, but you're thinking about but, you're thinking about more of in in base. That's right. You know, it, when you you go to base, probably the Dolphins went to base about 35 percent last year, but. Mm-hmm. That that'll depend a lot on what the offense is showing you, but um, you know you go to base a good amount of time, right? So you know even if you're a team that that likes to go to nickel a lot, you you're still going to go to base uh, probably at least twenty five percent of the time, something like that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that if you know that the guy is going to play slot corner and be you know in nickel packages, he can also play perimeter on base. Yeah. Chris, Chris Harris in, in Denver does exactly that. The Dolphins have experience doing this. I, th- I think they've done it before with Dimitri Patterson. I think they might. I, I'm having trouble remembering whether they did it with Cortland Finnegan. Um, I know did. that they've they, done they it. They did it with Cortland Finnegan. Yeah, and, and in the past, uh, you know, I think they used to do this with Patrick Sertan uh, a long, you know, a long time ago. Um, mm. We've done this before. Terrell Buckley, I know when he was here. Uh, 
used to move inside on nickel uh, packages. You can have a starter that plays the perimeter and base and then, you know, is your slot guy and, you know, just as important as he ever was as your slot corner. It does. It's not I don't it's not mutually exclusive. So um, I think that uh, I think that it's a three way battle and I wouldn't be surprised, especially based on the contract they just gave him because it shows what they think of him. Um, Bobby McCain could really win that. But, you know, like like you said, though, otherwise my thought would be Tony Lippett, like, remember that the last time we saw this guy, he was playing, you know, pretty much every snap mm-hmm. as as a corner, and even playing ahead of Xavier Howard. So, you know, he's and he had a lot of interceptions that year. So the he was a wide receiver in college. We saw him play at Michigan State. He had, you know, good hands and he played the ball really well. Um he doesn't have ideal athleticism, but he does have you know really good length. I think he's, he's yes. six foot two or something like that. Uh, so so he you know that he's going to come along kind of slowly to the defensive side of the ball because he was he's a newcomer to the defensive side of the ball, and he's had a great you know great off season of uh, of rehab coming back and um, and I I think he's going to. I think he's going to make some noise, but uh, but given the contract that just happened to Bobby McCain, that that's yeah. why I say, you know, don't be surprised if he's the new Chris Harris, okay. you know, or something like that. And Minka Fitzpatrick, I heard uh, a stat which I thought was really interesting, and I verified it, and it's true. Minka Fitzpatrick lined up as what you would call a free safety last season. Seven percent of the snaps he played. So is that is that seven percent like deep center? Like is that the way yes. that they identify de- uh, free they, they safety? They identify free safety as deep yeah. center, uh, single high. That That's, doesn't that doesn't surprise me just because Nick Saban's defense is like a split safety defense, basically. Okay. So, but you know that's that's probably one of the reasons. That, but he also that, that, he also lined like up. Uh, I think the number was plus over thirty percent in the slot. Right. So yeah. uh, he's accomplished. Yeah. So he, you know, he's going to play everywhere this year. Where do you think he starts the season? Where do you think he plays the majority of his snaps this year? That's going to be tough. I think he, I think they are going to see him as the, you know, I think first off he's going to be there pretty much every snap. Do we agree on that? Yes. I mean, uh, well, you know, like why wouldn't he? Of the, yeah, exactly. Like a hundred percent. So wherever he is, he's somewhere. Um, I think that. The the deep safety thing. If they're gonna, if they're Tony Oden is here running Nick Saban coverages mm-hmm. and stuff, then it's 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 a split safety defense. Um, and Minka even said that it's basically the exact same defense when when he's talked about learning the Miami Dolphins defense. And I think we know from the front defensive front standpoint with the wide nine and the way the linebackers play and stuff like that, that's not a Nick Saban defense. No. So he wasn't talking about that. Um, he was talking about the coverages. And so you see them as sort of a split safety defense. And because of that, he can he can play either of the safety spots. And he could also play where I think he could help anyway. I don't know how often he's going to play there, but mm-hmm. where I think he could really help is um, is playing inside uh, corner, like playing like a slot corner. And, you know, that's no offense against Bobby McCain, but sometimes you get tight ends. Sometimes you get 12 personnel packages, right, with yeah. two tight ends, and one of them is basically like a receiver, like our, you know, Mike Kosicki we talk about all the time. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, that's Minka Fitzpatrick could get down there and do some dirty work on those slot tight ends and play from the inside like a, like a nickel corner does. Uh, he can also – we had a problem. Miami had a problem last year a big problem stopping the run from nickel personnel. Uh, they were one of the worst and one of the, like 30th or 31st in the league, something like that, stopping the run uh, from, from nickel personnel packages. And when you get make a Fitzpatrick coming down into the slot as sort of the nickel corner or slot corner, he's yeah. a bit, he's a physical presence. He's a bigger guy for corner or safety. Right. Mm-hmm. And, and he's a, he's a nice physical presence. So and he he tackles terrifically on the perimeter. So right away, yeah, right away you know you can you can improve that run defense by his presence closer to the line of scrimmage, um, you know on the on the wide side or you know 
whatever. Um, I think so. I, I think that opportunistically you could use them a lot like that with those tight ends and to help against the run while keeping TJ McDonald and and um, and, and Rashad Jones back, or you could have him be back with Rashad Jones. Um, okay. I think. I think either way, you know, it, it's gonna it's gonna work out, I, and I, it probably is gonna be a little bit opportunist, opportunistic and matchup oriented. I think. Okay. Now on Rashad Jones, we know where he's gonna play, and we don't have to worry yeah. about him. I think he's gonna be much improved. I think he's, he should have, if not his best season, one of his best seasons, and it could be a coming out party because, evidently, people don't know that he's like really really good because I saw a, lo- uh, a list of. <laughs> of what they considered the top 10 safeties, and he was number 10 on that list, which is kind of crazy. Uh, that was a list that they were doing on NFL Network. They actually put Cam Chancellor on there. Cam Chancellor's retired. Okay. He's retired. All right. They had him on there. and I got I'm got. i pretty sure argu- every list is our enemy this yeah. offseason. Yeah, I got into an argument with a guy on Twitter because uh, they posted the list, and then uh, one guy, one Dolphin fan, one you know, you know, know, gung-ho Dolphin fan jumped in there and said, mm-hmm. wait a minute, why is Rashad number 10? on this list and I decided to pipe in and I all I typed was one of those guys on that list is retired and <laughs> and and a very I would say very you know very overzealous Seahawk fan started giving me example after example I don't know if you saw it the other day example after example why he's not retired that he has 6.8 million dollars coming to him well yeah, and I was trying to explain to him <laughs> sir his his spine is about to come out of his forehead okay He's not playing this year. He's retired. Okay? So they're still holding out hope that he actually is going to play this yeah. year. But, yeah, they actually put him ahead there. So forget all of that. You and me, we all agree. I know Simon agrees. I think Rashad Jones might be – is he the best player on this team? It's not crazy to say so. Him or Cameron Wake, right? It's it's here, Cameron Wake. I'd go with Cameron Wake. I I, I recognize this is a little bit of a soft spot for Cam. So, yeah. um, you know, it's be- – between the two, though. Okay. So we don't have to really talk about him. But one guy we do have to talk about, and he plays safety, and that's TJ McDonald. Where does he play? How does he get his snaps? Will he be effective in those snaps? Can't, can't be bad. No, it can't. Uh, but TJ McDonald, uh, I, I get, I always, always been nervous about TJ McDonald in coverage. Um, I think yeah. he's not a great cover guy. Um, so. In that way, I get. But but one thing is like when he's playing as a as a as a split safety, uh, and he's coming up against the run. Yeah. First, I think he can play deep. I mean, he can. He showed that with the Rams too. Like he can he can play deep. It's it's that when he gets in the man coverage that I that I get a little bit more nervous. But if if you you free him to play, you know, as sort of a, a split safety more uh, in this defense because. Man, that in this wide nine, the 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 safety has to come up and play the C gap. That's one of the, that's one of the um, unique aspects of the wide nine is that mm-hmm. the safety, you know, the the play side safety is going to have to come up and and fill the C gap, which is right off of in between the tackle and tight end. Mm-hmm. Uh, instead of in, in normal defenses, their their edge defense, they set the um, they set the perimeter edge, uh, and so you have to be a good good coming up in uh and run defense and man he is <laughs> here and he's a he's a huge physical presence so um so i think that this could play to his strengths a little bit especially with the fact that minka fitzpatrick is more of the guy they're gonna want to move up there and play in some mm-hmm. some man situations a little bit more um right. and it's gonna have gonna have some responsibility on his shoulders well let me let me ask you one very quick question and you can answer it yes or no is there a possibility that T.J. McDonald is either traded or cut this camp? I'm going to say no. There's no possibility. No. He will play this year. This year. This year. I don't know. All bets are off next year, but I, this year, yeah. Okay. Uh, let's move on. Walt Aikens, favorite of ours. Does he get any snaps this year? Do they give him a look, or he's just strictly a special teams ace? I hope so. We got to find out what he is, right? I mean, he's a corner safety. Well, we, I think we're, I think we're finding out that he could be a Pro Bowler as <laughs> as as a special teamer. Yeah, he's a hell of a special teamer. Okay. By the way, the, the, I can't believe I don't even know this, but did Michael Thomas make a Pro Bowl as a special teamer? I think he did, did right? Did he? I I don't recall him. Well, let me let me give you a little. I guess it's breaking news, but we were talking about Michael Thomas. Had he made a Pro Bowl? 
No, he had not. But he was... Breaking news, Michael Thomas did not make the Pro Bowl. He did not. But he was on the All-Pro team of Pro Football Focus in 2014, 2015, and 2017. Nice. So he was their special teamer on Pro Football Focus. So that's as good as having people vote you in. So, yeah, I'll I'll die on that hill. He was kind of a Pro Bowler. I think that uh, Walt Aikens can be that guy. All right, two guys that I do find interesting. Cornell Armstrong drafted this year. And a guy that we've talked about on the pod before, Jalen Davis. Your thoughts on these two? Do they make the team, first of all? I think, uh, let me put in my two cents. Yeah, I don't think Cornell Armstrong is going to get cut. Yeah, I think he's going to be a good special teamer. Jalen Davis, I had to see him play in preseason. But, first of all, do they make the team? Second of all, do they contribute this year? I think there's a pretty good chance uh, that they make the team. I think Tory, remember Tory McTire? He, he yeah. was on the team last year. Mm-hmm. And they actually, they liked him enough that they started playing him and started And he's invited to camp involved. this year. He's invited to yeah, camp again he is, this year. Yeah, he is absolutely going to be there this year. But Cornell Armstrong and Tory McTire, that's going to be the battle to watch because these are both guys that are, uh, Tory McTire can play inside or out. And Cornell Armstrong is mostly outside. Um, but if Cornell Armstrong can look more interesting than Tory McTire on the outside, then I think it starts to break down from Tory uh, for Tory there because then Tory McTire is going to have to battle Jalen Davis, who is primarily an inside guy. Yeah. Um, and that's that's what you're looking at. He's you know, kind of undersized, uh, scrappy player that um, was real physical on the attack for for his size at Utah State. But, man, was he a ball hawk. And these Utah State corners, man, it seems like every every year the guy, whoever comes out of Utah State has a billion pass breakups mm-hmm. and uh, and interceptions, and he's he's no exception. Um, but he's already the difference is that he's already making plays in Dolphins OTAs and stuff, so he's mm-hmm. getting noticed, Jalen Davis is. So that's already like a huge you know benefit in his favor uh, if you're already making plays and you're getting coaches saying your name. So uh, – you know, as far as the inside goes, Jalen Davis, Torrey McTire, and Jordan Lucas are kind of going to, you know, mix it up in there because somebody's got to be able to play the inside other than Bobby McCain, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, we don't we don't think Xavier Howard, Tony Lippett, or um, or ideally not Cordrea Tankersley are going to do that. So somebody's got to play. And Cornell Armstrong, we know, was an outside guy mostly in college, and they've already said, you know, that's where he's going to work. He's going to. He's going to try and make his uh, bones in Miami on the outside. So somebody's got to be able to be. And he played on the, the punt team. He played on the punt team consistently. Right. So yep. that kind of tells you where, you know, he can contribute this year. We're going to be moving on to linebackers pretty soon. But before we do that, let me ask you another Twitter question. And this was from Poldy Anslinger at Poldy Anslinger. And he asks, and this is going to bring us right into the linebackers, which players will be elected captains? I have very simple, you know, ideas on that. Could there be a young guy like McMillan, maybe even Fitzpatrick? And then he asked a series of other questions. Do you think Burke is a good DC? You know, I said this on on another pod. You know, <laughs> uh, prepare yourself for the very real possibility that he's not. Okay. And was it mostly? And he asked several questions. You were quite harsh that. on him on the other pod. <laughs> yes, I was. And he also asked, "How many TDs will Gasecki score this season?" Well, we'll cover that on the pod next week. So the first question. McMillan, Fitzpatrick, are they a captain this year? I'm going to say Fitzpatrick, no. It's not not anything against him. I just think that, you know, as a rookie, it's not going to happen. But I've heard this. I've heard from somebody, you know, that straight inside the locker room Mm -hmm. works closely with the players that when Raekwon McMillan is voted a captain, you know, it's just going to be a formality. Really? And speaking of Raekwon McMillan, we do want to talk about the linebackers going into this training camp and what we can expect from these guys. I, you know, I don't know about you, Alf, but you know, personally, what I'm thinking about these guys is that you've got sort of the build around of Raekwon and Kiko Alonso. They're going to play together in most of the nickel packages, uh, and you know, as the two linebackers when you have nickel on the field, um, and they're going to play together in base packages with a third linebacker on the field, whoever that may be. Um, And I think that the only time they'll be broken up a little bit is when they get into a pass coverage-oriented defense when it's really obvious passing down. Mm -hmm. If they go, they might go to dime 
They might go to dime defense. Hopefully they will. I mean, I've, I've been hoping for this for two years and been very disappointed for two years. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think that uh, when they go to dime that obviously there's only going to be one linebacker on the field. That's probably going to be Raekwon instead of Kiko. Mm-hmm. And um, and then so it's, it's really building mostly around Raekwon and Kiko. Uh, but that third guy, when they do go to base defense, you know, which is only going to be about 25 to 35 percent of the time. Um, right now, it looks like Stephen Anthony, Jerome Baker and Terrence Garvin are the three players fighting for that outside linebacker spot. And I think that Raekwon's going to be the the mic and they think of him as a mic. He's always been a mic. You know, everybody, every coach that's ever, you know, come in contact with him has wanted him to be the mic and be the leader of the defense. He's going to do that. Yeah. He's going to take that role, maybe take a little bit off Kiko Alonso's plate mm-hmm. uh, and help him be the guy that earned the contract rather than the guy that kind of leaned on because he had the contract. Um, and so, you know, I think that, uh, that, they're gonna they're gonna try it that way and then insert some more speed and and range covering ability with the third guy in base with Stephen Anthony who runs fast. Um, I don't think he's ever supposed to be a coverage linebacker like they used him last year, but he does run fast. Jerome Baker we know is fast. I mean he's run four threes in Ohio State camp before. Mm-hmm. And Terrence Darvin he used to be a safety uh, okay. back in back in college. So now, about- I, I, that's kind of how I see it shaking out. What do you think? Okay, now what about Mike McCray? Uh- Obviously, he was recruited on here by Stephen Ross. Uh, he actually said so. He, he actually said that, yeah. that he was brought onto the team by Stephen Ross. Uh, he kind of strikes me as a guy who has the inside track uh, to be the backup to Raekwon McMillan in the middle. Or do you think that Mike Hull and Chase Allen are long for this team? I think that uh, that Mike McRae, he's he's like a plugger type. We we've, we've uh-huh. talked about him before. You know, that's he's good in run defense, um, good on the attack, and given Matt Burke's history and what he seems to appreciate in linebackers, he loves those guys mm-hmm. probably more than he should. Yes, and um, and so his chances are good, especially if he's got the owner in his court. You know. Um, but his chances are good. He's going to be, I, I see him as sort of fighting with Chase Allen a little bit because Chase Allen is another one of those guys that is a plugger attack, you know, kind of a plotter as far as the way he moves. Uh, Mike McRae is not very athletic. Um, okay. I think we know that, but, uh, so, so those two kind of might battle, battle it out a little bit. And if you think about like what Ray Maluga was for Miami, or at least, you know, initially, Mm-hmm. Um, what they thought of him, you know, they might they might have uh, Mike McRae or Chase Allen be in that role of sort of coming on the field to like, hey, this run defense isn't working out right now because um, because of the matchup or the team or whoever it is. Mm-hmm. We need a little juice, you know, sort of like on the defensive line. We're talking about William Hayes coming in um, at left end to give a little juice to the run defense. Well, maybe they use Chase Allen or Mike McRae like that. Uh, so it, it'd be interesting to follow in camp. Okay. As far as a, a surprise cut, can you see a Terrence Garvin getting cut? Yeah. I, I mean, it, it's possible because when they signed him originally, they didn't have Jerome Baker. And mm-hmm. if you look at Jerome Baker and Terrence Garvin, you know, what Terrence Garvin, I, I watched him in Seattle and I liked what he brought to the table. I thought that the in terms of the defensive weaknesses, which is – you can't cover out of base defense with the three linebackers on the field. You can't stop the run out of nickel defense with only two linebackers on the field. Yeah, and then you can't stop third and long because they never use dime dime defense. Um, and then the other weakness was red zone, and that that sort of covers all areas. But um, but if you think about those weaknesses, mm-hmm. then you're talking about base defense and uh, and you're getting some more speed on there so that you can cover. Well, you know, Stephen Anthony, Jerome Baker can do that. Terrence Garvin, maybe you don't need him to do that. And mm-hmm. then you're looking at maybe somebody in a pass coverage, obvious pass downs that can, on a matchup basis, you know, get out there and be fast. Um, then Jerome Baker's here now, and he's faster. And he's a third-round pick. So they, these are areas where Terrence Garvin looked like he could improve the team when he was first signed. But now Jerome Baker's here, so it might be – you know, it might be um, he might be sort of a, a, a fifth wheel. Okay. Now, Quentin Poling is, is interesting because you would look at him and say, and I, I personally I would say, 
this guy made a lot of plays in college. Now, you're going to see him play a lot against, you know, the third teams in the NFL. He could look really, really good in training camp. How do you cut such a guy? Do you think he just sticks because he is going to be a performer and therefore he's going to play a lot of special teams? I think he, he's going to be battling with Mike Hall. Uh, that's still how okay. I kind of see it. Is um, you know, if there, if you got six guys, then you know, if we're assuming Terrence Garvin for now is making it, yeah, uh, and we don't know what to think about Mike McRae um, yet. Uh, he's got the owner in his court, so I, I agree with you. That's yeah, that's sort of a, a a good thing in his favor. But Mike Hall versus Quentin Poling, that's sort of. Uh, the question to me who's going to make the mark on spe- Mike Hall we know he can make a mark on special teams uh mm. Darren Rizzi loves the man I mean yeah. he's he's the reason that Mike Hall even got a shot on the starting defense to begin with um but you know was that his shot you know Darren Rizzi spoke for him and they gave him a shot and it didn't work out mm. and so was that his shot and it's like well you know now it's kind of you're on the you're on the way out yeah. Um, well, they traded... And if that's the case, then Quentin Poling would be would be the guy that steps in his place. Well, here's here's what's kind of interesting is that Stephon Anthony got a lot of a lot of snaps and OTAs. Is that just OTAs, or does that actually say something that he got? I think it. I think it's only natural. I think because you know the way we're setting it up, the way I'm talking about is uh, you've got Kiko and Raekwon automatically out there, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, but you're talking about base snaps when you got three linebackers on the field. Yeah, uh, which about twenty five to thirty five percent of the defense, um, you know, who's going to be that third guy? It's going to be an outside linebacker uh, because mm-hmm. Raekwon is the mic. Everybody knows that. Yeah, um, or everybody on the team seems to know that. Um, so who's it going to be? Is it going to be Stephen Anthony, Jerome Baker, Terrence Garvin? And Terrence Garvin's still a newcomer to the defense, so he's he's kind of still trying to pick his way through the defense and and get his 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 feet uh under him mm-hmm. he, you know jerome baker's a rookie uh so you know he's trying to get his feet under him and steven anthony has been here a year and he he's fast he's, he, he runs in the four or five you know four four to four five range yeah um even though I, he's never been a good cover guy and i think the way they used him last year as a, a pass coverage specialist mm-hmm. did not make sense based on what he was good at and not good at coming out of clemson but um but yeah, I, I think Stephen Anthony makes the most sense as the guy that you're going to put at that Sam spot uh, in the base defense right away and say, well, you're the you're the top guy right now, you know, okay. until somebody else beats you for the job. Well, before we get out of here and I read you one last Twitter question, mm-hmm. how many do they keep? Do they keep six? Or do they keep seven this year? You know, if if they're gonna if they're gonna make good on this uh, using more defensive backs, thinking God, I hope huh. they do. Uh, then you could you could make a case for they only keep six, mm-hmm. and especially since guys like Quentin Poling, young guys like Quentin Poling and Mike McRae, would be practice squad eligible. Yeah, uh, and and they they do have both, and they like both. If they don't get the sense that you know other teams are chomping at the bit to pull these guys off waivers, and that's a position where you know it's not going to be an active waiver wire for. For two linebackers who, I mean, Mike McCray can't really run. Uh, Quentin mm-hmm. Poling tested well, yeah. But in, in college, it didn't. You know, I don't. I didn't think he was all that fast um, or gifted athletically mm-hmm. on the field. Um, you know, our our teams really falling all over themselves to grab to grab bottom of the depth chart linebackers that aren't necessarily speedy like Jerome Baker or somebody like that. Um, yeah. No, I don't think they are. So. So if they get the sense that these guys aren't going to be pulled off waivers, then you could see those guys actually not make the team and mm-hmm. be on the practice because they figure we're going to put them on the practice squad and then go with six linebackers and and say, you know, we have two at the ready if we ever right. need it. Okay. Now for our our listener, Alan Gang Gang at Pacific <laughs> Fin Fan 1, okay, what is wrong with Chase Allen in 30 seconds or less? He's a plotter. He doesn't. He, he tested faster than mm-hmm. uh, he, he doesn't. I mean, he doesn't turn very well. He's not. He's not very agile. And uh, and it'd be great if he made up for all these things by showing really good instincts. Mm-hmm. But last year he did look like a rookie. Now I don't know how that's going to look in the second year because first year, second year, they make a big jump sometimes. But yeah. it didn't look like you know he wasn't like especially 
you know, good at, on the instincts department um, as a rookie. Okay. Yeah, if they keep six, I don't see any way he makes the team. If they keep seven, it's possible. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, I don't see the fit. Uh, I thought he played okay when he did play. But, you know, he's not long for this team. They like a type, and they're going for a certain type of athlete at linebacker. And Chase Allen is not it. Okay, yeah. so here's a Twitter question, and we'll get out of here after this. And mm-hmm. this is from Spot at S-P-I-Z-O-T-F-L, F-L, whatever that means. <laughs> and he he writes, if this training camp were a Hall & Oates song, what song would it be? If more appropriate, you can use a Michael Bolton song. Well, we're going to use a Hall & Oates song. You know, and thinking about this, <laughs> thinking about thinking about how ridiculous this question is. Okay. Um, but uh, but it's funny. I'm I'm glad it was asked. Uh, I actually don't know about the 2018, but out of touch seems appropriate for 2016 and 2017 at yes. least as far as defense goes. Because what have we been complaining about all this time with Matt Burke and and the way you know the kind of the dinosaur defense, the overuse of the linebackers, not using dime, you know all that mm-hmm. all that stuff. I mean that's 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 what it is. Um, but uh, you know. I don't know about 2018. I mean, we'll, we'll find out as the, the camp yeah. goes on. Yeah. Well, I don't got none off of the top of my head, so I won't contribute to the question. But it's a good <laughs> question. You know, keep sending us keep sending us questions. And for those of you that, that we didn't get to, you know, because we got a lot of questions this week, those questions that we didn't get to them, it's probably because you asked about the offense. And we're going to get to that next week on part two of our training camp preview, which we'll, we will dive into the offense. But that's it for now. You know, we encourage you to listen to all the podcasts on the network, and especially the Fish Tank. They just kicked off. You got to listen to those two episodes with Shannon Crowder. It's piss your pants funny. You just got to listen to that. Okay, it's fact, it's it's one of the funniest things I've ever. Yeah, heard. when you're done I mean, here, it's... when you're done here, just go and listen to the Fish Tank. Those two episodes with Shannon Crowder. They also had a Ronnie Gaston on. Not to give him any short thrift. Listen to him too. I I just haven't gotten to that one yet. But okay, I will. so it's it's great. See you next week. Thanks for listening to 3 Yards Per Caddy. You can subscribe via iTunes, on Podbean, or your usual podcast provider. At Parker, our purpose is simple. We want to make the world a better place. By working more efficiently. By using more sustainable practices. By developing better technologies, we keep moving forward. With each new idea, innovation, and partnership, we're one step closer to fulfilling our purpose every single day. To find out more, visit parker.com slash purpose. Parker, engineering your success.